Welcome to Human First. My name is David Tilston, and this podcast explores the methods, habits, and processes which allow us to excel as human beings. Today's episode is with Lucy Lismore, a personal trainer passionate about empowering women. She focuses on fat loss, boosting confidence, and building strength at home with minimal equipment and having fun in the process. Four years ago, Lucy weighed 30 kilos more and had never stepped foot in the gym or run 100 meters. She has over 370,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 23 million views. During this episode, we cover all of the above and a lot more. Let's get into it. Lucy, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm excited to chat to you. I saw a lot of your content over the last, about the last year, and mainly because it was the handstands and then it was the calisthenics side of it as well. Um, But the biggest thing that sort of jumped out was the incredible journey you went through, which I'm sure you can describe, but we'll get into that shortly after I just asked this one question, which is, could you just talk me through your own journey? Like what got you to where you are now? any key points, where you've lived, what you've done, um, and why you're a coach today? Yeah, I often say that I'm probably the person that you'd least suspect doing the job that I do now, um, being a coach and a personal trainer and working in health and fitness. Because when I was younger, I was not sporty at all. I was not active particularly. I wasn't naturally gifted in any way. And I grew up most of my life being overweight, the person that was petrified of in school I really didn't enjoy it and uh, and I that really carried on into my adulthood and when I was 18 I moved to Australia I just took myself off there black sheep of the family and at that place that lifestyle continued believe it or not even though Australia is sort of known for being an outdoor place being very active I continued to gain weight and not not stay active it just wasn't in my psyche or what I was used to And then when I got to my mid-20s, that's when everything really started to change. I I suppose I had that light bulb moment that people talk about and that that switch flicked and I embarked on a weight loss journey and I ended up losing a significant amount of weight. I lost around 30 kilos and I really just maintained that for a while. So I just did that through just changing my diet and my exercise habits and nothing too crazy and it did not come from a point of being educated at all or having a coach or anything like that I was just sort of meandering through the journey myself and then like I say I maintained that for a few years and then everything changed again when I set myself a news resolution to be able to do a chin-up I think I just saw a girl doing one on Instagram and I thought she looked absolutely boss and I thought right I'm going to try and do that I quickly realized that was very difficult <laughs> and uh the journey into what I suppose I've become passionate about, which is calisthenics, started there. I fell into a complete black hole of moving my body and playing around with my body weight, trying to challenge myself in different ways, learning new skills. And I just found that I really, really enjoyed it. So I started training what I, what I now know is calisthenics and enjoying that, making friends in that area. And that slowly progressed to becoming my job and now I'm at a point where I work in health and fitness and a personal trainer and I specialize in really trying to encourage mostly women to get involved in calisthenics 
and moving their bodies and enjoying movement especially as well that's awesome okay there's a lot to unpack there Lisa. <laughs> yeah to put it in a little nutshell just feel like two minutes <laughs> yes it's, it's good i mean it's um yeah i mean the journey you've been through is incredible and one of the things one of the questions that jumped out for me is sometimes for people when they see like an image of themselves or they see a video of themselves or something on social media pops up that can be like the trigger to take a step whether it's weight loss whether it's to start new adventures or, or whatever it might be what was the trigger for you that that changed things what made you think i actually want to start losing weight why did that occur so I knew that I was overweight and I knew that I wasn't happy about the way I looked. So initially it really came from a standpoint of if I lose weight, I think this will make me happy. I'll look in the mirror and I'll be happy with my reflection and it'll just make everything easier. And I think I was quite naive in that thought that that was really what was going to make me happy. But I had previously tried to lose weight and I hadn't been successful. It was just the classic fad diet type mentality I just was trying anything and everything um, but the light bulb moment I, I really vividly remember it was I was at home in Australia I was watching a show called The Biggest Loser which I know is not the healthiest of shows <laughs> but there was the last episode where they come back after being away for a month and um, and they they had these massive transformations you know they lose a significant amount of weight and I was sitting there watching it and I was like wow they, they look incredible and then it just I can't even describe it as flicked in my mind. And I was like, that's it. This is, this is where everything changes. And I went on Google and I just put in how to lose weight. And it said, eat less, move more, essentially. I know it's a very black and white way of thinking, but it was enough to spare me on. And so I did. I just started reducing what I was eating. I went and bought some DVDs because this is about 10, 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago, something like that. So back in the day when DVDs were still a thing. When they, when they existed. <laughs> when <it> was, <laughs> yeah, I still have them somewhere. <laughs> um, I went and bought some DVDs and I just did those. And I did them every single day after work. And I, I can still remember the movements in my head, like the order in which they went in. And gradually over a few months, I started to lose weight and that just continued. So that really was the light bulb moment was watching that TV show. Come on, Lucy, what, what were the videos? I want to know. I, I saw you mention it in the YouTube video. You said uh, high intensity <laughs> Tabata. And I was like, it, there was a few that sprung to mind at that time, which was quite popular. I don't know if you'll know them because they're, uh, you're going to think like, what are you going to say? Les Mills or something. I was trying to rack my brains to think what it was, but yeah, it, it was a huge thing at the time. So I didn't know if it was one of the more popular ones or not. I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue as well, but it wasn't those ones that I was doing, but they were still pretty gnarly. It was a woman called Michelle Bridges in Australia. So she's an Australian PT and actually she's one of the coaches on The Biggest Loser. Uh, so she's like one of the, the best known uh, PTs in Australia. And so they were hers and they were 60 minutes long. And honestly, I would I would die if I did them today. <laughs> they are really hard. <laughs> I don't know how I got through them, but it was initially like I couldn't even get through the warm up when I started, and then really? gradually over months, obviously I got to a point where I could do the whole workout, um, and that was a pretty cool thing to see as well. See that fitness progress as well. It was a huge change. I think that what you said about eat less and move more. So a good friend of mine was on the podcast. Probably I think it was like episode seven or eight, and he's a very accomplished coach. And what I found through coaching is you go through this very simple start then you go through quite a complex middle bit and then all of a sudden you think actually the best way to coach in my opinion is to try and simplify all this complex stuff because the people you're teaching they don't want to know they don't want to know all of the minor details they just need to know maybe two or three simple things that they can adopt every single day 
And I think the concept of eat less, move more is such a simple thing to adopt. It's such a powerful statement as well. And I think in that early stage when it's very easy to go on social media and get caught up with what macro should it be consuming? What type of food should it be consuming? Is this food exactly right for my gut biome or, or my, the environment I live in? Something like a caloric deficit, and like only like two or 300 calories as, as an instance or like to maintain consistency can be so powerful that you can maintain it for a long period of time. And then you can start to say, actually, now I know what I can eat to lose weight or maintain weight. I can start to do this without counting anymore. Is that sort of the journey you went through as well? Yeah, I. this is such an interesting topic for me. And I see it time and time again with my clients and obviously the people I talk to as well. Um, for me, I think what I had on my side, which really helped was naivety and in a way ignorance. I just didn't know what I was doing. And so for me, I was kind of just following what I thought was right. And I didn't really think too deeply into it. And I guess the other thing that was beneficial for me was social media wasn't quite as big as it is now when I was losing weight. So it wasn't as easy to access that depth of a broadness of information and also how many opinions there are as well, which you know, in the industry at the moment, there is a lot. And so for me, that was really beneficial because nowadays it's a little bit of a different story. Um, you want some information and you get 10 different answers, you know, just to, from a simple search. Uh, so it's an interesting topic because in essence, it is really move more, eat less and energy balance. That is how it, that's the basis of everything. And obviously you can go as much as in depth as you, as you want with those things. And there's so many intricacies. But ultimately, you need to be able to walk before you can run. And I think for a lot of people, just dealing with the basics of going, okay, I just need to move a little bit more than I am. And I need to eat a little bit less or have a little bit less energy coming in than I currently do if I'm in a position where I want to lose fat and I'm in a position where I'm currently gaining fat or storing fat, then that is basically as simple as it is. And then you can build from there. But I think starting with that base knowledge of that simplicity of just move a little bit more and eat a little bit less is a good place to start without it being too leading do you feel that you were saying about fad diets before did a lot of those fad diets encourage you to drop too far into a calorie deficit and do you think that's if that is the case do you think that's part of the reason why it didn't work for you and if so there's a third part of that question when you did your journey were you what were you doing to be able to lose 30 kilos? Because that's a huge amount of weight, Lucy. That's, that's a crazy amount of weight. And to do that, you do have to be consistent. So what habits kept you consistent during that time? What would you say were the most effective strategies you found out about yourself and what you were doing? Yeah, so the fad diets I was doing before, they were really restrictive. And I think that's ultimately a, always a downfall for a lot of people because you just can't, you can't maintain it. It's just something that's just not sustainable. You know, life happens motivation only lasts so long and usually it's very very short with those type of things and if you're hungry and you're not fueling yourself well it has so many ramifications as well in, in different areas and so if we're talking about eating less and moving more if you're eating less to a point where it's really affecting your energy then you don't have the energy and motivation and willpower to want to move more and so it's really that balancing act that we're playing here into towing that line uh, so for me it was just about making small maintainable and sustainable changes that meant that I could be consistent I think that was the biggest game changer for me uh, so I would do things initially I just literally ate what I normally ate but I just reduced my portion size slightly and 
you know, I was in a position where I had been steadily gaining weight for quite a while. And so eating less didn't look like restriction, really. It just looked like eating a normal portion because I would maybe go from having three or four fajitas at dinner to having two. <laughs> so it's still a decent amount of food. <laughs> and when you put it like that, I suppose it sounds a lot easier, um, you know, in terms of making some simple switches as well. So instead of having sugar in my coffee, I would just reduce it, maybe have a sweetener instead or having an Americano instead of a latte. And um, that was really the initial changes that I made. And then as we were talking about sort of education and understanding a little bit more in depth, as my journey went on, I started to research a little bit more and and try to learn about choices that I was making and making optimal choices, but also keeping that balance in there. So, you know, I wouldn't say I'm never going to have chocolate. I'm never going to have something that's technically, well, let's put in brackets, unhealthy. Um, I'm still going to have those things, but it's in moderation and being aware of what that looks like was really, really important. I think when we restrict anything in life where we actually say, I can't do that, I can't have that, it actually creates this, it's almost like this internal rebellion that eventually takes over and you go, do you know what, I'm just going to eat it and I'm going to eat so much of it that it's going to tip me over and I might as well keep going. And I think by doing stuff sustainably and just having that sort of slight deficit whatever it might be can make a huge difference and I always tell one-to-ones or people I work with create space then move as well um with so many people are trying to cram something into their life that doesn't actually there's no space for it so if it's like a fitness routine they they say I haven't got time I've, I'm so busy with this but you actually find that some of the most successful people they actually they're just very organized with their time they're very um how do you say very stern with I am doing this at this time because this is my 30 minutes I'm gonna wake up do 30 minutes of movement or I'm gonna change habits with the family I'm gonna take the family out to do something where we all do something that is like a form of fitness just changing those small habits doesn't necessarily mean you have to sprint up a mountain or anything well that is a good thing um but yeah I I think when we actually start to make these things more attainable and actually think yeah we we can make small changes to our life and achieve massive things it comes back to that 80-20 rule. Uh, and again, something else I use with people is you could do 20% and get 80% of the gains. It's that last 20% that takes up like 80% of the effort, as you probably found out with calisthenics, with handstands, with all of these higher level skills. That's what requires a huge amount of effort to get a very small gain, but just very, very uh, small changes to your life can actually have a massive impact. Yeah, I think people have this idea that you really have to just do so much and it's going to be a lot of effort and you're adding so much in where actually it's really just simple things that you can impart into your day and make part of your lifestyle. And I think it's breaking that all or nothing thinking because I see this time and time again with clients and I, I know that I experienced this as well. It's like you have to do everything or you're doing nothing. And actually it's, it's about making that, it's like a cliche, isn't it? But that 1% every single day, it's just making a little change and over time, you're going to see these massive changes, but you have to have the trust in the process and the foresight to be able to say, right, I'm doing this. And I know that in a year's time, two years time, which goes like so quickly nowadays, doesn't it? That I'm going to see these massive benefits from it and really just enjoying the, the journey along the way. Do you encourage people you work with actually take up skills, even if they're not, uh, even if they're not massively willing to in the initial stages? Because the only reason I'm sort of alluding to that or asking that question actually is when you said all or nothing, I think when you learn a skill, you realize you, you can't 
gain the all straight away. It's this incremental, frustrating, uh, rewarding process that just takes time. And I find personally that every single day I practice something that I can't do. It just reminds me that that is life. You you don't perfect anything. Um, and it's just about just put the work in. Just, just keep going. Yeah, I think it depends on who I'm working with. Some people can naturally fall into that mindset and trust it and they can enjoy it. But for some people, I actually kind of go the opposite way and I try to strip it back and say, actually, you might want to focus on all these different things and you might want to jump in feet first. But actually, let's strip it back to the very basics. You know, let's just do, let's just work on this one simple thing and then we'll take it from there and build up and just really set a foundation of just going, let's focus on one one thing at a time and see where we get to. That being said, I think it's really important for people to have different things they're working on at the same time. So if their goal is, to move better and to lose a little bit of body fat and to make sure that they get to their 50s and they're in a healthy position, then let's look at some nutritional things. Let's look at your movement, but let's see your progress in different areas because we know we're not going to see progress every single day, like you say, in every single area. And if we get to a point where this month we feel like we're lacking in one area or we've not made as much progress as we'd like, we can then look at our training and say, but look how amazing that I walked up the stairs better today or I was able to pick up my kids and go to the park with them. I've not done that before. And so I think it's important to be able to then see progress in lots of different areas. Uh, so that's definitely something that I like to focus on. But I think it's very individual to the person and everyone's got a slightly different mindset, whether they're a bit more resilient to it or whether they really embrace it as well. 100%. You, you don't realize how much you need your body in like basic terms until you lose it. And this is something I've found with working with a number of people. It's like, they can't squat down and pick up their kids. Did you you ever see that advert? I think it was about two or three years ago with the kettlebell, the guy lifting the kettlebell. Oh, I know. It was an old man. I'm watching it thinking, why is the guy using the kettlebell like that? And he's an old guy just lifting it up and doing almost like a clean in the press at a strange angle. And he goes through, goes through, and he's training in the winter and all the rest of it. And then at Christmas, he picks his grandson up and puts him on the top to put the, tree, uh, the star on the tree. And it stuck with me to this day because it's, you don't realize like how important that stuff is. And obviously with kids and all the rest of it, it, it plays a huge part in your life. But the fundamentals, the human stuff, that is what really matters. And I see you walk in and go on adventures and stuff. To me, that's the human stuff. And I think that's so important in life. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that really should be a lot of people's focus. Like, it, you know, if you have a specific training goal, fantastic. You know, if you're training for a competition, you're an Olympic athlete, whatever it might be, that's great. But for the most part, for the layman, for even I would class myself in this area, it's just about being healthy and being able to enjoy your body and being able to move and do things and make it easier for you. And I think either I see this a lot, people will approach me and it will be that they've seen it in their family. So maybe they've seen their mother or their grandmother or their father something struggle with mobility as it's gotten older and it's had an impact on their life or their quality of life. Or I know from my exa- my personal experience, the biggest thing that highlights that to me is when I get injured and that's taken away from me. And you just appreciate how lucky you are to be able to use your body. And I've always said, I, I had a back injury a few years ago and for about a year, I really wasn't able to train um, much at all. And I remember saying to myself, I will never, ever not appreciate being able to move my body. And I still, to this day, feel grateful when I can bend down and put my shoes on. I can get something out of the dishwasher. 
or am doing even when I'm doing hollow body holds. I'm like, just be grateful that you can do this right now because, you know, a couple of years ago, you couldn't and you would have died to do this. You would have loved to. Um, so, yeah, I think that's also really important to reflect on. Back injuries to me or niggles are probably one of the worst things to deal with because it affects every single part of your life. You can't move. You, everything is impacted because your spine doesn't segment or it might be locked up or something might be happening. Do you know why it happened in the end? Yeah, we don't know 100%, but I basically the injury I had was an L5-S1 disc bulge and I had sciatica in my left leg and I've, I've got a little bit of nerve damage from that. Uh, but they think it came from uh, overuse injury. When I was at university, I was a croupier at a casino. And though it doesn't sound like it, it's a very repetitive job where you're constantly bending and twisting and moving thousands of times a night. And uh, and I was doing this for years and years. And it just we think it just wore the disc down a little bit. And it, over time, it just started to degenerate, I suppose. And it just took one one thing and it just snapped and uh, that was it really and f- it went on for a long time and I, like I said I do still have those ramifications of that injury um, so I do have to be mindful of some of the things I do I think it's the sort of thing it would just be around lifelong but for me it's a fantastic leveler and a good reminder and quite humbling to not only appreciate how amazing your body is at recovering um, but again how lucky you are to be able to move and I'm fortunate that I'm in a position I am now where I can do that. But there's a lot of people who aren't in that position who do live with chronic pain and, you know, who can't move as easily. And it's it's really humbling to to be able to have that experience, I suppose. I see injuries as reminders. And sometimes, if you find this, you think, do you know what? I've actually neglected that little bit of like prehab or whatever you want to call it or rehab for the last few months because it felt fine. So I left it alone. But you actually realize that a little bit, like you were saying about consistency, the food, all of that sort of stuff. Just doing a little bit once every two weeks can have a huge benefit just to offset stuff. Again, another piece of information that I think is really important is injury prevention is one of the biggest things we should need to focus on. Then we develop high-level skills. There's no point in having a high-level skill and you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's lots of things to unpack there. But yeah, with that last comment that you made, I think... Uh, that's it's so true it's always again that learning to walk before you can run type thing you know even when we look at exercise prescription there's no point in trying to go and do a barbell uh, squat if you can't even do a bodyweight squat with good form and you know your heels are coming off the floor and it's it's really about setting again that foundation um but like you know, like you say injury prevention is definitely prevention or always better than a cure right and uh also <laughs> to go to your original point I do see these things as like a barometer to your health. It's like your body's constantly sending you signs and signals and it's a learning process to be able to tune into that and to be able to action those things. But if you can, your body tells you everything you need to know. And I say this all the time, you know, in terms of nutrition, in terms of energy, in terms of whether you're training too much or too little, whatever it is that your body is telling you, it's so, so smart. And if you can tune into those things, you can then make those adaptations. And it's just incredible when you think about it that way. I think often people, and a lot of people that I speak to, they feel like their body's against them. You know, they feel like they can't lose weight, they can't exercise because it's really hard for them and their body doesn't really respond to that. And I'm like, no, your body's fighting for you every single day and it's doing incredible things. So your body's not against you, it's your friend. You just got to learn how to tune into those signals and then respond appropriately, which is it's a process, it's a learning process. Um, but you, you can get there. And I'm still learning, I'm sure you are as well. It's like, it's just a lifelong journey. 100%. 
what you did last year was wrong and the year before <laughs> yeah, it was even more that. wrong. And I look back all the time, but again, I don't think I don't think we learn anything unless we messed up. And I, I've talked about this time and time again because we all have hang-ups, we all have low days, we all have days where you're like, why did I do that then or why did I do this now? Because we're human beings and we're supposed to, I use this loosely, but mess up. We're supposed to make mistakes. We're supposed to to do these things to learn from. And that's fundamentally what life is. And we're all learning in some capacity. And sometimes I think the problem is with social media, you said about the DVD and how beneficial that was without having copious amounts of information from social media that actually is quite toxic. It distorts people's viewpoint about just adopting simple habits because everyone's like, oh, there's that person looks amazing. And they forget that we're all learning. We're, we're all messing up. Um, even if the the viewpoint, the aperture they see through, which is social media, portrays that everything's good. Um, and that's why sometimes it's good just to show every single time you fall out of the balance or the time you drop a weight and it hits you on the toe or something stupid because we all do it. Exactly. I think I, I totally agree. And that's something that I find so important with, you know, I know that I could potentially be a part of that problem, but also a part of helping that as well. So it's about trying to show both sides of the story. And I think that is so, so so valuable because when you do show these things you know we were talking about doing a handstand earlier in a video and my cat was looking as well the whole time <laughs> and when you show those things it's the reality <laughs> like this, this is what's happening you know I fall out of handstands you know I don't just naturally every single day go up and be able to do a handstand yeah. uh, you know it takes me a good couple to warm up and you know I say this to, when people meet me in like real life I'm like I'm so clumsy you know I could trip over my feet and I can't stand on my feet anywhere near as good as I can on my hands and all these different things. You know, that is the reality. No one's superhuman. But that being said, it doesn't matter how much you show these things. When we are looking at other people, we are always a lot less critical of them than we are of ourselves. And I think it's sometimes you have to almost like force it on people to be like, no, this is normal to, to fail. It's normal to you know make mistakes, to not know what you're doing, to stumble through life. We all are. Um, but it's like you need to constantly just be reminded of that. But I think also... A lot of people, including myself, are we're often our own worst critics. So we're always going to look at ourselves and be like, okay, why am I that person? Why am I the clumsy one? Why am I always failing? And it is completely normal. And you should actually cherish that and really embrace it, I think. I, I work with a number of people that train high performers um, at world level and a few other bits and pieces. And they have openly said to me that most of the people they work with are almost they're so critical of themselves that's what's got some got them to where they are um and a lot of people are actually dealing with forms of trauma that have channeled themselves into into things like fitness and high level skills and world-class performances and athletes because it's been a way for them to to find some grounding i suppose to find some some time out to organize their thoughts i mean that's what leads on to a question that's right at the bottom of my list actually um but how, how do you deal with low days? How do you organize this? Because again, people see you very bubbly, a happy person. That's the way you come across in all the videos and stuff. And yeah, how, how do you cope with that? Because I'm sure that could help others. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I've reflected on a lot and I've tried to work on a lot as well. Um, and I try to talk about it a lot as well because I do experience a lot of days where I'm just like, no, you know, beating myself up, own worst critic. And I think a lot of that has actually come from the weight loss transformation like that's something that I'm mentally still trying to work through as well um, but I I've got a few ways of dealing with it I think ultimately I try to rationalize it in my head and just say that sometimes your brain is so smart that it can sort of outsmart you and 
it plays tricks on you. You know, how, how realistically can you go from feeling one way about yourself one day to less than 12 hours later feeling a completely different way? And I think I tried to rationalize it and say, it's probably just me and my mindset right now. And I need to then avoid any triggers that are making that mindset worse and just go and in a way distract myself in that moment go and do something that I genuinely enjoy or that brings me energy and for me me, those things are enjoying movement training going and spending time with people that give me energy that lift me up you know making sure the people around me are the good eggs in my life type thing Um, I think that's a huge aspect and just trying to keep moving forward in some way knowing that if I just stay still that I'm not going to be, I'm doing myself a disservice. I feel like if I stood in front of a mirror in, on those days where I was feeling a bit down, I can look at it and see a path and I've got two routes I can go. I can just dwell and I can like sit in those thoughts and ultimately it's going to lead me nowhere. Or I can at least try to do the minimal effective dose and just do something. And usually once you just do one little thing, it kind of sets that ball rolling in motion and you find that either you can maintain for that day or you can do something and you're getting a bit more productive and that always leads to feeling good and so that's usually how I deal with it but I sort of try to picture that in my mind of just having this choice that I have to make and even if I don't want to make this one I kind of grit my teeth and bear it I sort of have this just friggin do it attitude I'm like just just do it Lucy and I know that in 12 hours 24 hours time I'll feel a lot better um so it's it's and I think this has come from practice it's definitely not been easy um, but it's definitely easier now to mm-hmm. make that choice than it was in the past. You know, I can just be like, no, we're not talking about this today, brain. <laughs> Moving down this side and thinking more positively. <laughs> Today's sponsor is Ape Nutrition. To find out more about their products, their ethos and how they support the environment and much more, please check out episode seven with Josh and myself. And to save 10% on all orders, head to apenutrition.co.uk using the code HUMAN, that's H-U-M-A-N, Back to the podcast. I think for yourself as well, with the amount of YouTube videos you made and you've got like 370,000 at this time of this podcast subscribers, was it like nearly 23 million views and stuff? So to have that, I mean, there's so much work that goes into video content and creation. And I find when you are a person like that, you you sometimes just overthink. And it's just, to me, it's like you need to turn off the switch. For me, it might be just going to do some training. I come back and I'm fine. I think we all need like a little reset. And again, like you said, maybe just moving a little bit can make a huge difference. Just taking a little step back. When you were going through the time where you'd obviously gained quite a bit of weight, because your process was so successful, that's what led you to want to coach others or was there anything else involved? I've always been, I I really love dealing with people. And when I went to university, so when I was losing weight, I went, I was at university and uh, I was actually studying to be a doctor. So it was a completely different career path, like completely different. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I was doing I was doing my undergrad biomed and I did four years of it. And I got to the point where I was like, do I need to do my postgrad or I'm, I'm not sure? Because I went to uni as a mature age student. I've really not followed a conventional path in life. And uh, I, I wasn't really committed to wanting to do another four years of study at that age. So I, it kind of coincided with me moving back to the UK and I decided that I would change my career path. And it just felt like the natural progression because I, firstly, I've been through that experience myself and that's something that I feel like really helps a lot of people, that relatability of knowing that someone else has been through it. And I was really passionate about it, but I'm not going to lie, like I was 
in terms of all the online part of it, I was very resistant to that at first. Like I put my first YouTube video out just as a means to be able to help people. And to actually kind of bring it back to one of the points you said before, that's something that drives me is that I really struggle sometimes with imposter syndrome and with overcoming, you know, to be the person I am today. I really struggle with that because I don't see myself in that light a lot of the time. I still see, see myself as an overweight scared of PE <laughs> like young girl and people obviously don't see me that way nowadays um, but for me one really big way of dealing with that has always been is something that I'm doing today like is this piece of content or is this conversation I'm having or is this action that I'm doing helping one person in one way and if it is then I should share that and that is my driving force so I think we often talk about having a solid reason why or like your North Star, you know, your reason you're doing something, whether it's just a personal journey, whether you're starting a business, it's movement related. But I think it is important to nail down what that is. And for me, that is my why is, am I helping someone? And specifically, am I helping someone who is like I was, you know, scared, nervous, doesn't know what to do, feeling a little bit lost? And um, Because if it is, then it's worthwhile doing. So I really like digressed and took you on a journey with that answer. <laughs> No, no, that's amazing. I, I know an incredible instructor, like incredible instructor, but he's never put content out. He's generated, I don't know, I think he's been doing it for about 15 years. Just He keeps remaking this video and it's just that last send like or upload button that seems to be the thing that's the barrier for him. And I said to him, what's stopping you? Like, what is stopping you from sharing this? Because like you said, if you help one person, if that person was your mom or your dad or your brother or sister, you wouldn't think twice about helping that person, but I think we're so, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm exactly the same in terms of imposter syndrome. I'm a nightmare for it. And when I was actually talking to that high level coach, he was saying that imposter syndrome was the driving factor for a lot of people that was related to something in their past, but they didn't feel they were good enough to, to put this out there. Or they were scared of, they were scared of the feedback they might get because they might get 20,000 comments I've talked about this before with people as well, but like that one negative comment that comes up, that's the one your brain seems to pick up on. And I think if you just go, hey, it is what it is. People have got opinions. Um, that's where they're at in their life. And if you respond from the perspective of probably scared, they're probably don't know what to do. They might have stuff going on in their life, which I don't know about. Then it changes the perspective, the way you look at people, because you think if they were thinking like me, they probably wouldn't leave a comment like that so something's going on there maybe i can help that person if i reframe this in a different way or reach out and say hey thanks for the comment is there any way i can help i think it puts a very different spin on the way we generate content yeah it really does and i think that again comes with doing it i think you know once like a, a rolling stone again there's no moss type mentality once you get there and you start doing it it becomes easier and you do see how it can benefit others but it doesn't ever change you still will focus on that negative thing or one you know you'll be super critical of something that you've put out but other people I think it's really interesting that a lot of people other people don't perceive it in that way you know our own perception of what we do is so different to how other people perceive us you know and you know, this is just in anything in life you know you don't understand exactly how much of an impact you're having on other people and you know if you embark on a fitness journey or a movement journey or whatever it might be you don't know who you're inspiring. You might be inspiring your mum to move more or one of your friends to do something. And you, you might never even know that you might walk past someone on the street and they might take up a sport or they might change their hairstyle because they saw yours. And I think that it's a really beautiful thing to think about that way. You know, you might 
just someone might see your smile and just think, oh, you know, I've made, made my day happier or something like that. And it, if you start to really think about just living in the moment and just doing what you can, I think that it reaps benefits and you start to practice those things and it becomes easier to do that. And something that, again, that I come back to, my, my dad, full of wisdom, he uh, he always says to me, Lucy, perfection is the thief of good. You know, nothing needs to be perfect. It just needs to be good, good enough, and it will improve over time. Um, but that's something that I always come back to as well, is that we don't need to be perfect. We just need to be trying our best and and being good, and that's that's the main thing. I don't know how many people know, but obviously we had a quick discussion before the podcast. Um, do you feel like, your parents have had quite a big impact on your journey with your dad being in the military and like you said to me your brother being in the military as well uh, do you feel that they've impacted on what you do today the way you organize your life the way you see fitness things in general so I think in terms of what I do I'm a bit like I say I'm a bit of the black sheep of the family so no one really does what I do in terms of they don't have getting out into the mountains and lots of stuff but I really am the the one who's just rogue and just going all over the world doing crazy stuff um but in terms of my mindset I think they have been pivotal in in establishing that and I am I feel so so fortunate that I've been brought up with parents who instilled in me that you can do whatever you want whenever you want like life is just really too short to be pigeonholing yourself into doing one thing and I do feel so fortunate that you know coming from a military family I have that independence of I can go and live anywhere. I'm not scared. I'm not worried to go and explore things, to meet new people, to try different things. And I know that that's a privilege. You know, I think there's a lot of people that haven't been brought up in that that mindset. You know, I went to so many different schools when I was younger, and I think that paid dividends in terms of my mindset nowadays. Um, but also, my dad is a very resilient and tough person. And I, I really have got that mindset from him as well. And like I say, he continues to call me out. And I think that's brilliant. Like I love I love that he will just call me out on my bullshit. I need him to. Um, and my mum similarly, like she's changed her career multiple times. And I think, again, that's something that I see people stumble across so much, which is they feel like they have to fit into these societal norms. They feel like they need to do these check boxes. And actually, you can just take a bit more of a relaxed approach to life. You know, life's too short. Uh, you can change your career. You can do whatever you want at any age. And I got to my late twenties, and I'm I changed my lifestyle, and I completely changed my career. And and I'm not even the same person I was ten years ago. Totally different. And who knows? In ten years' time, I might be different again. And that's okay. It is okay. It, it's good to change. And I have told this story once or twice in the past. But my one of my teachers that I've been with for fifteen, coming on about fourteen years now, he said to me. Um, he had all this all, con- all content on YouTube and people would go on there and say, what the stuff you're putting out now is wrong. And he's like, no, 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 I've just changed. But it- it's okay to change. And he- he's actually started putting old videos next to new videos and saying, this is how I used to do it and say it was correct. And this is how I think it's correct today. But just bear in mind, I'll probably do this again in five years time. And that's why... It shows development and we shouldn't be scared to change. We shouldn't be scared of turning around and saying, I got it wrong or I've got better because I went through that process. And travel does that to you as well. Travel is like you haven't got your comfort. You might be living out of a van or you're living out of a bag. And we, we did it when we moved abroad. We put everything in one or two suitcases and took, sold everything and left. And it felt amazing. Probably one of the best feelings I've ever had. Um. Yeah, 
realize how much we collect and we don't need. And that leads on to one of my questions for you. Okay, yeah. Good. <laughs> what five things do you take everywhere? Oh. And what do you recommend? Because I love good kit. And I noticed that you wear through dark kit. You've got, um, I think we've got the same watch. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I love good kit. And I realize if I travel and I have certain things, life is that little bit easier. So what would you take everywhere with you? We'll say five, but it can be whatever. Okay. Oh, good question. Okay, so yeah, definitely one would be my watch. Um, so this is a game changer. So yeah, we I wear the Garmin Phoenix and it is on my wrist all the time. When I got it, I was like, I'm not going to wear it every day, but I, I really do. Um, I love it. So it's not <laughs> it's not only that, but it is, I suppose it gives me a bit of security as well because it's, uh, you know, got my GPS and everything on it. So when I'm out in the mountains, it's good. So that would definitely be one. I would say I take my... Um, I would take my headphones quite a lot of places, which seems random, but I love to be able to listen to podcasts and to read as well. So let me listen to audiobooks when I'm on the go. So I'm learning and I can sort of multitask as well because I because I love movement so much. I'm out walking a lot. I just I think walking is the most underrated thing. Um, and so if I get an opportunity to go for a walk or a stroll, I will do that. But usually I'll have headphones in so I can multitask at the same time. Um, so headphones would be one of them. A good pair of shoes or a couple of good pairs of shoes is always a good one. So something for every occasion. Um, at the moment, I'm really into, I've got a pair of Nike trail running shoes, which have been honestly game changing. Uh, so I've got those, which I pretty much wear for everything. Um, what else would I say? Um, potentially, I mean, having good gear, depending on where you're going is important. So if you're going hiking or something like that, obviously it's important to have good gear. Um, and and like be prepared for the situations. Yeah, of course. Um, probably a chance for me. I don't. See, I'm not very like you, like you. I'm not super materialistic. I really, I sort of spend a lot of my time and energy and effort on uh, just traveling and experiencing things. And I don't feel like I really need too much coffee. Coffee is like my go-to. If I've got coffee and I've got and I've got my watch and I've got my music and I'm pretty much happy with everything. That's all I need. Cool. I can relate to that. We're not sponsored by any of these people. I don't know. Are you, do you have a sponsorship with Garmin or anything? No, no. I, I'm open to it. If anyone from Garmin is listening, I'm definitely open to some sponsorship. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the hour there. And coffee. Please feel free to throw coffee at me. Um, <laughs> the brand they've used for a long time is Lean Caffeine and basically it's like mycotoxin free and all that sort of stuff and low acidity coffee and it took me years to find an amazing one all the coffee I grind then goes straight to the machine and then I have it if someone handed me I mean this in the, with the utmost respect to anyone that does hand me a coffee if it was like a freeze dried coffee it would I'd just I'd probably just pour it out somewhere because it's it, I can't stand the stuff it's so different to have a freeze-dried coffee and another one. You're laughing, it's like it's happened to you. No, because no, I'm laughing because you'll hate me because <laughs> I, I'll drink anything. Like, give me freeze-dried no. coffee, give me like instant coffee. And I've got a friend and he owns a coffee shop and he is probably the biggest coffee snob going and he always calls me out on it. He's like, Lucy, no, you can't drink that because I will drink anything. Because, yeah, all I, I, I think I'm actually... I'm more addicted to the habit of having a cup of coffee with me yeah. rather than the actual coffee itself. And even worse, this is going to be like the real <laughs> the real cherry on the cake, on. is that I went caffeine-free at the end of last year. And so I don't only drink decaf now, so I don't even get the caffeine. Interesting. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, you're really pulse apart. 
I'm glad you said that as well because some uh, two or three good friends of mine as well, they have gone caffeine-free and they've noticed actually a huge difference in their life in regards to energy. I wouldn't touch the stuff till I was in the military and then quite a few sleepless nights came in um, and all the lads were drinking it, so we just started drinking the stuff. And it's probably been, what, like 16, 17 years I've been drinking coffee and I've come off it a couple of times and noticed the difference, but you go through that sort of headache period when you saw it coming off. Yeah. Did you notice any changes in energy or, or differences to your mood when you came off caffeine? Not particularly. And that's surprising considering how much I was drinking. But one huge, so the reason I actually came off drinking caffeine was, it was when I was in the States last year, I was traveling for about a month and I was, you know, the coffees are like over there, they're absolutely huge and they're four or five shots of coffee and I was having multiple ones a day. And I also have an autoimmune disease. So I have psoriasis, which affects your skin. And so you get like plaques on your skin. And my skin was probably the worst it had been for quite a while. And it was all on my face. And I remember sitting in Fort Lauderdale Airport and I rang my mum and I was like, oh, my skin is so bad. I don't know what to do. And she's like, maybe it's all the caffeine you're drinking. And I'd gotten to a point where I was actually really able to manage my condition very well through diet and lifestyle factors. And uh, this was probably the one thing that I really hadn't managed. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, you know what? I am drinking a lot of caffeine. And from that day, I just thought I'm going to stop for now and just see and it cleared up really really quickly and I noticed that over the next month I wasn't craving coffee I was able to drink decaf so I could still have the taste of coffee and enjoy it and that habit of having a coffee but energy wise mood wise everything was fine like I felt really normal and then over time I just realized that I yeah I felt felt pretty good so I didn't notice any massive drops or anything like that in it but um I definitely noticed improvements in my psoriasis in my condition because it was it was really just putting a little bit of stress on me because I was just drinking so much of it. Um, but interestingly, there's been a couple of times since where I've been given like caffeinated coffee uh, by accident and I'll drink a couple of sips of it and I can feel my heart rate starting to go and almost that feeling of anxiety coming on. Wow. Yeah, so it's really interesting like how much of an impact or maybe how much my body had gotten used to it. Um, before because I was drinking so much yeah yeah don't quote me on these stats but I think like one in 17 people have like this ability to process caffeine very well but it does mean that the other the other sort of 16 out of 17 are going to get some response to it so some people can drink coffee late at night and not actually see much of a change to their heart rate variability or heart rate through the night and they can actually sleep very well but the others are going to feel an impact from the back of this um, but it's just an adenosine blocker. Effectively, people th- feel like it's giving you energy, but all it is doing is actually blocking the ability to feel tired. That's oh, it. That's interesting. And it means that when you do come off it, you feel you can feel sometimes like you've been hit by a bus because you just feel so tired all of a sudden. If I have too much, so I have like two a day. Um, if I have too much, I actually feel tired straight away. Like literally within ten minutes of finishing the third or fourth cup, straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I used to experience too, actually. Yeah, it was almost like a, a different effect, wasn't it? Um, but two days, not too bad. Yeah, that's quite reasonable. <laughs> I won't, I won't di- divulge how many I was having. <laughs> I want to know. It's bad. It's probably having like seven or eight, maybe nine a day. Okay, so I, I, I'll i um, make you feel a little bit better about this scenario. So I knew, knew a neurosurgeon who was having 17 cups of coffee a day. And I said, I said to this person, I was like, how are you having so much coffee? And then operating on probably one of the, with, with very little knowledge of neurosurgery, but 
I would only assume there's very refined patterns need to be done. And if I had 17 coffees, I would be shaking all over the place. That's so interesting. I wonder if he or they came off it, how how much of an effect they would feel. That's a lot of coffee. Yeah, it, it, it do, I think it does wow. play a big part in it as well. I mean, I found sometimes a few before training um, or like, sorry, like a double espresso before training ha- has had a, an impact if I've been off it for a while. Um, but when you're trying to refine stuff like handstands, it can actually send you the other way. You can overcorrect and almost get like a nervous, um, you can almost feel yourself shaking and overcorrecting because your nervous system is so wired. Yeah. To trying to do something something's not supposed to. Yeah, that's and that actually makes me think of a point slightly different to digression a little bit. But when I handstand, I don't know if you experience this, but my mood or what sort of mental state I'm in can affect it 100%. in terms of different types of training. So if I go rock climbing, if I'm stressed or anxious or frustrated, I actually climb a lot better. But if I was angry, frustrated and anxious, then I, my handstands would be awful. I need to be in a more calm, relaxed state and then my handstands are much better. And um, so I don't know if you ever notice that your mood or your current state actually affects the different types of training that you do. Yeah, I, and I've talked to a number of people on this podcast. I had uh, Florian Daggery on here for the last episode. He's got like a 10 and a half minute breath hold and world champion in static apnea and a number of other high performers uh, that I've trained uh, or worked with or that I know of and they, they've all said similar things with their skill set, and I actually find with hand balancing that it it gives you a good mirror. And I'm only, I'm only picking this as a skill because everyone will have their own thing. But for me, it sort of tells me how I'm feeling because there's we all need like a reference point. I think that we check in on. So, for example, if I start every training session with the same thing, so I do a hold. And in that hold, within five minutes of, or even even just the first minute and a half of the hold, I know how my body is responding on that day. It might be that I'm annoyed or I'm pissed off at the world or something. Something's going on, and I can feel it. And yeah, I, I've what I've started to do more is just some down regulation breathing. So I start things don't go well. I take a seat. I do some parasympathetic focus breathing. Say in for three, out for six. Do about ten rounds of that. Go back, and things are a lot better. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yep. So that's been that's been like a little yeah, hack. Yeah, that's uh, it. Takes a lot of dedication as well, I suppose, and yeah, and hard work to get to that point as well. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, that's cool. You said about hand balancing. Um, I knew we'd get onto it at some point. When did you start that? And such noises. <laughs> <I know. laughs> They'll be like, oh, here we go, here he goes again. Yeah. Why? What got you into it? Um, was it was it just because you were getting into bodyweight stuff and it seemed like a natural uh, progression or integration that happened within the calisthenic stuff. Um, for me, it was very much like I was training at an event and I saw a guy on one arm. I went, damn, I need to do that. And that started a what has now been a nine-year journey. Um, yeah, so yeah. What, what made you think, do you know what? I fancy giving up two or three hours a day for the next sort of three or four years just to do that one skill. It's funny that you say that because that is re- the reality really, isn't it? That people don't see behind all the posts and, and all the, they just don't see all that time that goes into it. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I sort of, like I said, I kind of fell into that black hole of calisthenics and I started researching different movements. Just so I was just going on Instagram and looking at like hashtags on calisthenics and it was just coming up with random movements. And one of those obviously was handstands. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to try that. And again, my naivety just kicked in and I was just kicking up in the middle of the room. And I started over time to 
just see these little tiny pieces of progress, like little nuggets, whether it was I was able to kick up a little bit easier or I would hear a tip like, oh, point your toes. And then I'll try and do that. And I would always like, fixate on trying to point my toes and practice it. And then I started filming them and watching them back. And it just became an, almost like an addiction. It's so much fun. And I would whine. <laughs> it really is. It's so bad, isn't it? And um, I would literally put my music on and I would just while away time. And I would look at the clock again and three hours would have gone past. And I'm like, goodness what have I been doing for three hours yeah Uh, but it just became so relaxing and enjoyable to do and I think I've now got to a point where the handstands that I do do obviously there's so much I could progress in but the handstands that I do and some of the exercises that I do are like a flow state for me and so they are like a form of relaxation and uh, sort of lack of a better word like a safe space like an enjoyable part of my day Uh, so I often do it on a Sunday morning I'll wake up and I'll put a really good playlist on and I'll just handstand for an hour or two and just move my body and just enjoy it and that's how I see it. I don't see it as exercise or anything like that it's just to me relaxing and fun and it's also fun when you get other people involved as well and I think that's kind of just how the journey has meandered it's just become an enjoyable passion but it just came from naivety to be honest with you. Do you encourage people you work with to do that as well find something they enjoy in regards to training because I find if generally so I teach a lot of mace work uh, a lot of people seem to love using a mace because they really enjoy it but <laughs> A lot of people seem to be coming in saying, do you know what? I've done years of normal training and I just want to pick something that I actually find fun. And because it seems like a lot of people, you know, I think you get to a stage where you think, okay, what am I actually trying to achieve with this? Could I achieve results and actually just enjoy the process? Because to me, that's where the learning is. That's where if you can enjoy something, not only are you getting the benefits of the exercise you're doing, but You've got the endocrine response. You've got the hormones being released into the body that are going to give you these incredible results on their own, let alone plus the weight training session you're doing or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the biggest like cornerstones in my my philosophy around training, I suppose, is that you just need to find something that you enjoy, whether it doesn't, it really doesn't matter what it is, because that's ultimately what's going to keep you sustained, like being able to be sustainable, what's going to keep you consistent. And you've got to think about it from a bigger picture of going, what do I really need to be doing? You know, what what am I trying to achieve in my life here? Um, it's something I often ask myself and I ask clients is, okay, who are you? Like, what what realistically are we working towards here? And like I mentioned, you know, if you're not an Olympic athlete, if you're not training for a very specific goal, then you have that freedom and flexibility to just be able to enjoy your movement. And you don't have to be regimented necessarily. Yes, if you've got things you want to achieve, that's great. You know, I've got goals that, let's face it, I've been working on for a few years and I've not made that much progress towards. But it's okay because I'm kind of like, as I've spoken to Andrew Tracy about, it's like just being on the scenic route. You know, if you're happy to be on the scenic route and just taking that slow meandering journey, it allows space to just enjoy it and find things that you are passionate about. And I think that's so, so important because ultimately that's what's going to lead to being able to be consistent. Yeah. What does a day look like for you, Lucy? Obviously, I'm... I'm aware it sounds like things change and move around. So there's a bit of flexibility, but what's sort of your ideal day? If you're to wake up and say today, everything goes to plan. This is the way I'd love to structure my day. This episode is sponsored by Red Light Rising. As always, I'm only keen to promote brands that I've used and I believe in. Red Light Rising produce a number of products, but specialize in red and near infrared lights. And I've been using their half stack for at least four years now, first thing in the morning when doing my breath work. Benefits from this type of wavelength of light include skin health, sleep, energy, and much more. To find out more about the products, head to the Red Light Rising website and use the code HUMAN, H-U-M-A-N, at the checkout to save. Back to the podcast. 
it definitely always starts with a walk like I said I walk a lot and so and I'm very I'm very very fortunate I live in a city center so I can walk a lot I don't need to drive everywhere so I would wake up around six seven whenever the daylight comes up and go for about an hour long walk with the coffee of course that's like my little reward (laughs) is to take my coffee with me um usually I just listen to a podcast while I'm doing that or I'll just respond to some work stuff so getting some daylight getting some fresh air is always really important in the morning and I do that rain hail or shine I just love it um and then I would usually come back and organize my life a little bit whether that's business related whether that's just sorting out my place that I live in whether it's running some errands or something like that just feeling like I'm on top of what I need for the day and I feel like I'm starting with a base that's like solid and that I'm organized which is not not often the case and then I usually try to get some movement in but I'm super flexible about what that movement is and when I do it so I would maybe sometimes go in the middle of the day sometimes I will go in the evening and I do do it on a day-by-day basis so I'll just see how I feel if I'm feeling particularly like I say frustrated about something and I just don't want to be in a gym environment I will go to the bouldering wall and I'll just do a big old bouldering session or I might wake up and go I feel like doing a really big heavy leg leg session today and I'll go and do that really early in the morning Um, or I might say you know what I want to train at home barefoot with my music on my cheesy music and wear my track pants and like not have to look at anyone and so I'll just do my calisthenics workout in my my living room you know and so I think taking that flexible approach has been so important for me Um, and some days I'll wake up and I'm like I just want to go to the mountains and I'll drive there Um, but having that flexible approach to my training has been really helpful Um, and other than that I just like to get to the end of the day and just get to a point where I can look back and say okay today was a productive day in some way whether it was personally productive whether it was productive for somebody else whether it was productive for my business that I just got to the end of the day and I feel like I can sit down and cook my dinner and eat it and enjoy it and watch some trashy TV because that's pretty much how I end the day, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. And then, I, and then get into bed and go, right, we'll do it all again tomorrow. And I can actually sustain that, you know. And a huge part of my day as well is just con- connection, you know, talking to people. As someone who's self-employed, I could literally go days without ever seeing anyone. Um, but creating relationships, reaching out to people in your life that are important to you and actually having important conversations and asking people how they are is a huge part of my day as well. So as long as I've had all those things ticked, I'm a happy camper. It's a pretty good day to me. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me at the minute is like actually getting to the day, it's the end of the day and thinking, yeah, I did all the work I needed to and I've just had to be so strict with saying, I'm going to stop when I hit this time because it's so easy just to keep going is that you could say, I'm going to do tomorrow's content and next week's content and I'm going to think about the next thing and the next thing. And especially when you're working with people as well, I think there's, I I just put in these very simple barriers as well, just so I can say, look, there's times where I need to do my stuff so I can be a better coach to you or asset to you or family member. Um, Because I think a lot of people struggle with that as well. They have this ideal day. They have this day that think, I'd love to have a day like this. But unless you put a little barrier in place every now and then, it, it won't happen that way. Because when you learn more, when you are, People love being around you and that sort of stuff as well. I do think that it's very easy to get caught up in constantly giving, giving, giving. And you do need that time to, like you said, maybe do a handstand and a dance or listen to cheesy songs or put some trash TV on because that's what you want to do. And I think that's such an important thing as well. Yeah, it's that classic thing of fitting your own oxygen mask before you help others that you you really have to, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think if you'd asked me that question about a year ago, I would have given you a very different answer. 
and it's something that I've had to really really work on and you know you're talking about I suppose in a way people pleasing and like wanting to give to everyone in your life and being able to be there 100% and I am the epitome of a chronic people pleaser and it's one of these things that it affects my life so so much and I've really really tried to challenge myself on it and you know I think for me challenging myself mentally is where I've been in the last year is like really just some of these preconceived ideas I've had of myself and things habits I've gotten into and that has been one huge thing so actually in a way becoming a little bit selfish but in the best sense of the word where you are pouring into your own cups so then you can be the best person you can be the best coach or father or partner or son or daughter or whatever it might be that is so important but again it's one of these things it just takes practice and just like anything if it's something that you're not good at you've kind of just got to grit your teeth and bear it and actually push yourself to do these things to then reap the benefits and it's slow progress yeah i want to know though what's um what's one of the cheesy songs Oh, cheesy songs. I thought you were going to ask what trashy TV shows. I was like, you really don't want to Cheesy songs. I've got an amazing, I've got an amazing uh, Road Trip Bangers playlist. Um, I'd say it would be things like, probably not your vibe, but like S Club 7, Backstreet Boys. Strong. Like, you know, the 90s pop, all that sort of stuff. Like they're really cheap. Anything that you can really sing to. I mean, there was one day I was doing handstands and I had, it was June, just for context. And I was listening full blast to Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas Is You. Nice. And the delivery man knocked on my door and I was like, hello. <laughs> and he was like, are you listening to Mariah Carey? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I was like, dancing around. It was very embarrassing. That's but awesome. yeah, you got, you got to embrace it, you know. <laughs> it's classic. Spice Girls in there? Actually, no, I haven't. I need to get some of that in, to be fair. But honestly, the last two, we- last two weeks, I was camper vanning around Europe and some of the road trip bangers we've had on are absolutely ca- chaotic. Yeah, I think we're putting everyone in the dollar mites off. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That's good. So what are the next challenges for you, Lucy? What's next? Uh, so I have really, you know, you're talking about self-development and how your interest changes your person as you grow. And I think for me, I've really identified in the last year that my interests have changed a little bit. Like I've changed as a person and I think I initially resisted that a little bit, but we do go through these phases. And so I've kind of gone from my sole interest being sort of helping with weight loss and calisthenics to realizing that I have this huge passion for the outdoors and for adventure and to learning new skills. And so that's what's really I'm putting my energy into in the future. I'm still super passionate about calisthenics and of course about weight loss and health in general, but I am throwing so much energy into upskilling in the outdoors, learning how to climb, learning how to get out in the environment. And not only that, but really encouraging a lot of women who are like me who don't feel like they have the experience the fitness the mindset the education to do these things to actually get out and enjoy it because I learned at 30 that I can learn these things and enjoy it and I want other people to be able to experience that too so that's definitely one of my biggest goals and then I've got these long-standing calisthenics goals that I'm still working on (laughs) but if I sort of saw myself in five years time I feel like I just want to be in a position where I'm still helping people within health and fitness helping to make their lives better and enjoying it along the way which is to me one of the biggest aspects is that you're actually enjoying what you're doing because otherwise what's the point what skills are you after out of interest um i'm trying trying to learn press handstand and finally crack my muscle up um so those are two ones that i've been doing every year i say this is the year and i either am not committed enough or i get distracted with other things or an injury happens as always is the case um but 
I do need to really knuckle down and get those because I know how good it feels when you actually master a skill. Yeah. The press is one of those ones that when you just, the first time you feel what the press should feel like, you go, oh, okay, that's very different to probably how I've been doing it before. And it's, it all of a sudden just feels light. Um, There's a couple of things in that as well um, that make quite a big difference. And then this is why I will say to people sometimes with skill acquisition is that normally tunnel vision on the skill, not saying you you do this at all, but um, a lot of people who work with have got this tunnel vision to improve that skill. And I always say to like, like you to talk about all these other things as well, break it down, like break it down to simple steps where you can say, that's interesting. Like my shoulders have to flex better, or maybe my spine has to segment better to pull me into a position like a press. And once you start to almost run away from the skill, do other stuff and then come back, sometimes you don't even have to practice the skill at all. And all of a sudden it just appears from nowhere. But it's that accumulation of little bits of work done every day. Yeah, I think it is. It's like like you say, those little things that you're doing consistently will add up. And uh, maybe I'm just seeing a little bit negligent with it. I promise I'll get there. But even things like my compression, my flexibility, all those things, I know I know I need to work on them. And uh, and I just I'm, I'm not quite committed enough. But I do need to knuckle down and sort of practice what I preach in that area and just yeah. like, get it because I just I know I know it'll feel good. But yeah, you're totally right. But the thing is, Lucy, as well, like, and this is where I come from on many things. I'm not a specialist. Like I was on the bike this morning at 5 a.m. in the forest, and uh, I'll go for a walk after this, and I'll probably want to swim in the sea at some point today, and then throw a kettlebell around this evening. So it's I, I want to do different things, and I understand that if a skill takes me three times longer than uh, that of a specialist I don't care because I love it I enjoy it I love doing a bit of everything and that's my happy place if you want to think of it that way as well yeah I love I love that and I think that's a really great mindset to have I think I have a very similar mindset um because it's like it's like taking that scenic route option and it's going it's I'm okay with that you know because I'm enjoying it and I've got all these other things that I want to do and I've got I'm I'm the jack of all trades and master of none type mentality. <laughs> I think I'm always going to be that way because I just have too many things. I'm like, I want to learn how to skateboard. I want to be able to go mountaineering. I want to do this and that. And and so if it takes me longer, then I'm okay with that because like I say, I'm not going to be entering a competition next month to be doing most muscle ups or anything like that. So yeah, so lovely. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and if I was, I'd definitely be That's coming awesome. last. That's cool. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it doesn't... Because yeah. when you attain stuff, sometimes you do it and you go... Oh, okay. Now what? Now what do I do? And it, it happens time and time again in life. Yeah. I see it happen all the time, and seen it myself. I remember the first time I did a certain skill, and I, I hit a time that I was aiming for for about six years, and then I went, "Oh, okay. What am I going to do now?" So I phoned up one of my teachers and said, "Give me something else to work on." And I just realised that's life. It's so true. Yeah, I, and I say this to people all the time. I'm like, just, I know it's so cliche, but try to enjoy the process and the journey yeah. because you will get your to your goal and you'll just realize that nothing's changed. I, it's so sobering to think it, but that's what happened with weight loss for me is that I got to the end goal. I, I didn't really have a specific goal, but I got to a point where I was happy with where what I'd achieved. And I just sort of sat there and I was like, okay, now what? Nothing's really changed. Like, this is just, yeah. I still feel the same. <laughs> um, I'm just in a slightly smaller body now and nothing else is really old. Oh, oh, I ultimately changed and that is it no one's there with the bunting hanging it out congratulating you and even if they are it lasts for a day and then you're like okay the goalpost has just moved now what yep. am I on to next and and I think if you can take that mindset then you can actually start to go actually the 
the enjoyment is in the day-to-day the mundane the same the thing you're doing over and over again like that's it and being able to then harness that and enjoy it and remember that is really really valuable and that leads on nicely to the final question which is i ask everyone this because i think it's important to come back to this human stuff um to finish every podcast i'm keen to leave the listeners with some simple routines that they can adopt and apply on a daily basis what principles would be at the top of your list to form the foundations of human health or in other words a human first approach Okay, I love this because I feel like this is basically the cornerstone of everything that I talk about and believe in as well and try to fit into my life. So I would say there's around four different things. I think some form of movement, whatever it is, however that looks like for you, just moving your body in a way that feels good every single day. And again, it not having to be forced, it just being like the toothbrushing thing. Like, okay, I just, I am that person that just moves a little bit more. That's it. Um, so like I say, I'll go and walk when I can or just use an opportunity and and it can be so simple you know for me clients say to me oh how can I get more steps in in my day for example I just want to move a bit more I work at home I'm like if I'm going to take laundry from the living room into my bedroom I'll just make two trips instead of like trying to carry everything in once I'll just make two trips because usually I'll just drop stuff as I go anyway and frustrate myself so just like simple things like that if I'm blow drying my hair I'll just stand up and move around you know <laughs> just simple things so moving a little bit more is really really beneficial um how you're fueling yourself. So not just how you're fueling yourself with food and nutrition, but how you're fueling yourself mentally as well. Because what we get through, what we're watching, what we're consuming, what we're talking about has such an impact on us, even on a subconscious level that we don't realize. So just surrounding yourself with stuff that is motivating, which is exciting, which just makes you happy. You know, if you watch, like I watch trashy reality TV and, and that's fine because I can see it, but I know when to limit myself. I can see that tipping point when actually watching it starts to have a negative impact on me. Um, and I'm very careful about who I follow on social media. So usually I won't follow people that I haven't met in real life or that I don't find particularly, like, you know, inspirational, like that has to be a specific reason I follow them, for example. And I say that to people, like if any of my content was ever to make you feel in a certain way and follow me, like I would not want that to happen. So feeling yourself that way, but also nutritionally, you know, just feeling yourself in a way that makes you feel good. And it's not about, again, being strict or restrictive or saying you can't have something. It's just about balance and just saying, am I feeling good after doing this? If I had a bar of chocolate tonight, did I feel better afterwards? Yeah, I did. Okay, fine. Did I feel worse and feel guilty? Then maybe I need to moderate that a little bit. And um, so fueling yourself resting is also important something that I'm not good at but resting is also really important you know self-care is not selfish and however that looks for you that's really important obviously sleep getting good quality and quantity of sleep again I'm awful at it but it's something that we really should be doing and it has so many benefits so getting your rest in as well and the last one I've mentioned it a few times it's just connection it's just having your social cup and filling it and being able to spend time with people that you love that make you feel better that give you energy and that's something that's been pivotal to me in the last year or so is just realizing the people that you walk away from and you think I feel heavy I feel drained I feel like this has been difficult versus the people that you come away from and you feel inspired and motivated and happy and like your best self and it's not about saying you have a seat at my table and you don't it's just choosing where to put that energy and that time but also really working on having better connections like I'm a big question person I'm like if, if you meet me and I'm just have a conversation with you I'm like sit down all right how are you but how are you really like we want I want to know the nitty-gritty like what's really going on in your life and I'm asking all the deep and meaningful questions that people are like 
what are you doing a little bit weird but I think having that connection and being able to like really really foster those relationships is so crucial but also often missed out nowadays for a lot of people and I think that's really valuable so connection I I think would probably be the most important one that's probably what without like ever being coached or working alongside you on anything that's probably all of those things you've just mentioned is probably what makes you an amazing coach Lucy as well um the fact that you want to know more and an appreciation that as human beings we're multifaceted and that question for me was always to to come back to no matter how crazy life gets or how many things we think we need in our life that the basic stuff I've had so many different answers on this this podcast and I love it and it's it just made me realize that the human stuff is the important bit the human connection the, the community everything that became a challenge in the last few years is the stuff that is really important for us yeah I think it's often overlooked because when we talk about health and fitness and all this sort of aspect of things people just think okay exercise nutrition you know sleep all that sort of stuff and that is important of course it is but you know I, I was talking to my mum yesterday about this and about people who live long healthy lives because I studied part of this in my university degree and there's a particular thing that links all of them and that was that they had a community and human connection and I think it's just such a, it's such an important point that in today's society it can be so easily neglected just because we have the ability to connect over social media and have the internet that we can miss out on that human yeah. connection and miss out on having conversations and it's so so valuable so yeah I, I love that and I love being that weirdo that asks all the weird questions (laughs) it's good to be that person it's good to be the different person the person that sees things a little bit differently because (laughs) it just means that sometimes people do stuff and as per the norm it was like oh that's that's weird why did you do that but if you're like that and you can see things from a different perspective people go oh thank you you've actually you, you understand why i did things that way and why i thought this way so yeah it's important to do that and I saw you put something on your social media the other day about travel, like doing events for travel and you had a good response about like walking holidays and stuff. And just from my experience, I've run a number of events over the years. It's, I come away from those buzzing, like to, to spend time with 10, 15, 20 people that are just from all walks of life. Everyone has like this, they're training together, they're moving together, having a good laugh and connecting. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, because of course you do lots of th- these things and it's so good to hear that. And I think that that actually sums up that point perfectly, isn't it? It's like they're getting that through doing these things and they're getting that connection and they bounce off each other. And that is such a huge aspect that can be missing that you're giving them. And that's just amazing. So hopefully I can replicate it in some way as well. That would be amazing. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Um <laughs> All I want to say is thank you so much for joining me today, Lucy, and I appreciate you got a lot on. So it's just, it's, it's I mean, amazing to speak to you. This is the first time we've obviously spoken. What you're doing is incredible and yeah, hope to keep in touch as well. Yeah, and likewise, no, it was great. Thank you so much. And likewise, keep inspiring. It's amazing. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Lucy and myself. To find out more about Lucy, please head to lucylismorefitness.com or follow the links in the show notes. A small request from me, please like, subscribe and share episodes like this to help me to continue to pass on information from experts around the world with you. Thank you for listening. See you on the next episode.